Welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. And today we're going to be doing a full season review of Invincible Season 1, the latest animated TV series from Amazon Prime, based upon the comic series by Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker, and Robert Kirkman also being the creator of the TV show. I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster, sound designer, and a writer for Fresh Take Hub. And today I'm joined by my fellow co-host. Hello, I'm David Osger. I am an editor over on freshtakehub.com. I'm a content creator and writer and fellow podcaster. Great stuff. And also joining us, we had to get a guest that had read and was immersed in the comics of Invincible. And we had such a great time with him doing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier review show. Please welcome back film journalist and writer Stefanos Florakos. How you doing, Stefanos? I'm good, and I'm really trying not to spoil anything. It's been really, really hard. A lot of people have been watching this, and none of them have read the comics. So I'm just sitting in the corner, just whispering to all myself. Yeah, I've been chatting to you throughout as this series was airing, and you were just like, just wait, just wait. And I was like, no, Steph, stop saying these things. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> So I figured, because you had read the entire 144 issues, have you? Yeah. Um, to be fair, it was one summer. It was a long summer. I had nothing to do. Though, uh, if I remember right, I don't remember. I think we didn't have any major films coming out or that I wasn't excited for. And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to read all these issues because why not? So you had read them already after the run had finished, so you came sort of late to the game of the comics? Yeah, like, I think we were on the final couple of issues yet, and I just, uh, to be fair, I wasn't, like, obsessed with them. I find it just interesting, very much like how many our fans right now find the show interesting. It was the same for me. And uh, then up to a point... You know, I, I caught up, but then I was just, just waiting for the two final issues to come out. Oh, nice. How about you, Dave? Were you familiar or heard of the character Invincible in this comic series before the show was announced? No, I think the sort of costume I had maybe seen before, so possibly when I've been into, like, comic book shops or looked at certain books or pop culture stuff, then maybe I'd come across the image of the character, that kind of blue yellow and black kind of seemed familiar but apart from that this was pretty much completely new to me and yeah especially when it was advertised on amazon it was very much like oh cool this animated superhero show there was no sort of like oh right they're adapting that it was it was quite a, a new concept to me so yeah it was, it was certainly more appealing and more interesting from just how how new it was but also interesting not knowing anything about it i suppose there was that kind of early boys comparison even from the beginning because one is from Amazon and two, you know, we, we already sort of knew it was like going to be violent and, and that kind of stuff. So there was already those early conceptions about the show before watching it as well. Yeah, I think I'm on a similar thing to you, Dave, where I wasn't really aware of this character. I think I had seen images of him or something in comic book shops or online and stuff like that. But my first actual real introduction to him when uh, it was Seth Rogen was announced to be doing an Invincible movie. 
And Robert Kirkman has confirmed that is still going ahead. They're still doing that. So I was like, oh, what? So Seth Rogen's doing this comic book movie. I had already seen what he's done with, you know, Preacher. Really enjoyed what he did with that and with the boys. So I was like, well, let's have a look who this character is. So I had a look a, a bit, at, did a bit of research. And I thought, oh, this is interesting, but never actually read the comics. And then seeing this, you know, the trailer for this and Amazon announcing they were going to do this, I was like, oh, okay. I think I'll probably wait for the show then before I dive into the comics. But Steph, what was your sort of your first reactions when you'd heard that Amazon were going to be adapting this comic book series into an animated show? Uh, no, animated show made more sense than a film. Because I think you all kind of realized how the what the kind of narrative is in the comics because it's very similar to the show and although it would be kind of possible but you would have to cut out a lot of the best elements by my opinion like if you if you would have taken what we've seen so far you made into a film we wouldn't see the martians or titan or or the whole fight in that in that episode with titan that wouldn't be in it because there would be no way and also a lot of the secondary characters who later on become very vital, they will have to be cut down to less than supporting. So, so I was glad they did pick up to a show, but as for the film, I have no idea where they could go, especially now that the show is becoming very popular. It's almost like you, t you would take Game of Thrones and you finish the first season, you're preparing for the next two seasons, but at the same time, you, you'll be told that they're going to make a film about the books. It, and in both cases, I don't see how that could be possible unless if it is almost like an addition to the or existing world, like being like a completely different story and like a major event and then going into the show again, just like what Marvel is doing with the shows and films. Yeah, that's a really good point because after seeing this show, I was pretty much like you thinking, how could you cut all this out to fit into a, a two-hour movie now because I'm so attached to all these characters and these different story threads that a movie would not do it justice. And we've spoken about on the show before that, in a way, television, whether that be live action or animated, tends to lean to better storytelling for superheroes and and you know comic books because comic books themselves are serialized storytelling the mcu sort of got away with that because they've just made a giant tv show let's it is basically a giant tv show but you've seen with the success of the boys watchmen the marvel netflix stuff that tv has been a really booming industry now for comic book storytelling and how you can tell it so dave what was sort of your thoughts going into this series obviously we had you know, praised the boys so much last year and how good that was. What did you think of a similar direction, but an animated form? Yeah, well, I think to continue the point of like how, you know, series compared to film, especially with comic book content, I think where Marvel and even DC do benefit as well is that they're dealing with like an entire legacy of a character. And it's not often that they're going to, you know, they say, we are going to like tackle this very specific run and we're going to tell it like start to end. You know, it'll always be very much a light adaptation and they'll mix in different elements. So Ragnarok is a classic example of just taking, you know, several different storylines. But at the end of the day, they usually go into the film with kind of an original concept, almost. Um, like, especially like Civil War, you know, that 
doesn't really reflect anything of what the original comic book is like. So I think that that's where they can benefit. But when you look at things like The Boys and Umbrella Academy, etc., that's where you do want to have those seasons to be able to tell the stories as they appear in the comic books. Because, as we've said, you know, they are kind of episodic, serialized within their original form already. So, yeah, I think for me as like an animation fan and somebody who's enjoyed like animated television, I was really excited for the concept. Again, some more adult animation, getting to see superheroes have an animated series, which I think is really great, especially because so much of it has been lined up with children's television for a long time. And I think that sometimes that does give them a lot of advantages and a lot of unique aspects because you cater into a wider audience and it means when you're telling like darker themes and stuff like that it's more commendable because it's aimed at children but also there is the side which make you know which thinks no we do want to have animated shows which are catered to adults and aren't just comedies as well and I think that that was what was interesting for me going in especially when you look at things like what you know I think anime is probably the big exception but when you look at what Netflix is doing, for example, even though they do have their own animes and in some ways you could possibly consider some of their series like Castlevania, etc., kind of like anime-like as well. Those are very much adult-orientated. They're very violent, etc., but they're still... Well, they have some very good animation, but at times they do cut a lot of corners and there are still a lot of the stereotypical kind of tropes you see with budget animation or animated television in terms of like characters just standing still and you know just sliding across the screen and that kind of stuff so I think this was also an opportunity to go well you know this is a big streaming service with a lot of money behind it and from what we can see in the trailers it looks like they're willing to put the money into the animation as well Um, and I think that was interesting how that translated and came through in in the final product as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you, I was really looking forward to seeing a new superhero animated show because I felt we've been slightly lacking of one recently. You know, the big focus has been on live action. And, you know, our generation, we grew up with, you know, of course it's our generation, so we're going to say it's the best generation of animation. But, you know, especially for superhero content, Batman the Animated Series, Justice League, Superman, all the DC stuff... And then going into, you know, the early noughties with, as we spoke about in the Monday Lorians, with Clone Wars, Tarakovsky, Cartoon Network, that whole era of animation was just fantastic. So it's really interesting to see that the kids now of that generation, us, we're all grown up now. We're all making the stuff that we sort of are influenced by. So I'm perfectly okay with seeing more adult-oriented animation because the kids who like this type of animation are adults now. So it makes kind of sense. And I also think with the superhero landscape, a lot of it still is, you know, targeted towards family-friendly audiences, which is fine. You know, know, we've talked about a nausea about the differences, what can be for children and what can be for adults. But I still think in the animation game, there is so much room to explore adult content within the superhero genre. Because, yes, like you said, Dave, we're getting a lot of boom now with stuff like Rick and Morty, Solar Opposites, but it's all comedy-based. Like, I want to see some action, some drama, and some, some, you know, I was just saying, some outright blood and guts sometimes. It's just entertaining to see that in animated form. And especially 
when you give it the time and day, as I think Amazon have, they've given it a lot of time and a lot of love and a lot of money, it seems, to get this right. So I'm really, really impressed. Were you nervous? A little. But you caught it. I did. Being a superhero is no different. This is the beginning of a long journey for you and me. Along the way, you're going to need to do things you don't want to do or might not think you can do. It's okay to be scared. It's natural to doubt yourself. But if you can push through that and do what needs to be done, you'll do just fine. You think you can do that, Mark? Yeah. We'll start off with our sort of overall thoughts of the entire show. Uh, Steph, I'll start with you. You being the most knowledgeable about this world. Yeah, and that is, to be honest, I think it's been kind of an issue. Because when you become, when you're familiar with the source material, you kind of stop thinking as a film or television critic. Because you kind of miss that spontaneity that you probably guys have. And I know that each one of you kind of have some very opposite opinions about the show. And I'm going to stay in the middle because, for one, I'm excited to see what, I, what I've read on screen. But the other one, I don't know how objective I can be <laughs> with what I'm seeing because there are some elements which I think for other people, and I think also for David, will also say later on, it's the fact that they don't know why we're seeing this. I know why we're seeing this. I, I know where this is going to lead. But I don't know if I would have felt the same way if I didn't know. So beyond that, I, if I talk about technical things, I can say that the writing's really good. I think if part of me really wants to see a script of this because I think the dialogue are very well put and the characters very well made. And there are some small changes, which I am a big fan which we're going to talk about later on when we talk about characters. But overall, I am very positive with it. I know I know what's going to come afterwards, but I am excited for it. It's not, it's not like The Walking Dead, which after a while, even though I knew what was coming, I was kind of dreading for it. This is more or less, I am excited for why it's coming, but I'm very curious to how they're going to take it and how people will react. Because I'm not going to spoil anything, but some crazy shit is about to happen. And a lot of morality will shift. So, and I have no idea how the TV audience will react to it. Interesting, interesting thoughts. I've always been thinking like that with a lot of these rated R superhero shows like Preacher and The Boys because I was familiar with those comics going into these those shows I was like how are they going to pull this off in live action so but the animation gives you so much more freedom but it's interesting that you mentioned you've got that baggage of these comics going into it so you do have a sort of bias towards it but Dave you having no knowledge of this world whatsoever uh, what were your overall thoughts of the show? Yeah it's kind of hard to put like an overall thoughts on it in some ways and especially knowing that i'm sort of in a minority of people of mainly the people i've seen talking about this show absolutely love it and 
I don't know. A lot of it for me is that, don't get me wrong, I, and, and throughout this review, I think this will be the case, is that, like, I think this is really good. And I've I've gone back week to week, you know, at the end of the day. It wasn't, it, you know, I wasn't even just because of this review that I stuck with it. I wasn't, you know, don't I've watched plenty of, or started to watch plenty of series in the past, you know, Netflix originals, etc., where I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Just give up. You know, so I was never at that stage. I think that, you know, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. But overall, I think it's just, it never, it didn't always quite gel with me. I never finished every episode going, wow, I absolutely loved that. I didn't think it ticked all the boxes for me. It wasn't my jam in a lot of ways. There were things that were but they weren't big enough the elements that I enjoyed the most and just the way the story is in general. And I think that's that's why when I think of something like other superhero properties that I have problems with, so if we look at some like the DC stuff, for example, a lot of that can come down to taste, especially with like Zack Snyder, as we've discussed before. But I think it comes down to kind of like that Justice League versus like Man of Steel kind of element that we've had before in which Man of Steel to me is still kind of I watch it like well even if this isn't my kind of jam in terms of like the type of story they're going for I still have major problems in terms of the actual structure the story the character the actual technical elements of it with something like Justice League I don't have any sort of like technical issues again it's just a taste thing so it's kind of the same hue sometimes um I think that I'm like, yeah, you know, you're doing all this well. You're fleshing out your characters really well. You're sort of developing your story really well. But a lot of my problems just come from some, in some ways, just the original concept of the way things are in the first place and just the entire ideas of certain things, which I don't quite like. And I just think hinder the show. So a lot of my problems just stem from just the, like, the concept in general, in which I'm like, I don't know why you would go with this because I don't know why you're doing it. It doesn't add anything to the story and it doesn't it it's holding back your story and the uniqueness of the show in some ways for me. So as much as I enjoyed it, like I said, I think also the running time is a big thing I didn't mention with adult animation. You know, it's great to have something that runs at like 45 minutes, whereas we're always used to just animated shows being like 20 minutes to 30. So I think it's great that you got that. I think like the music is great in it. I love some of the voice cast. That is a big issue I have with this. And I'll get onto that is I think that the voice cast is distracting as all hell sometimes. Um, and I think that that's a massive problem for the show. But again, I, I can't deny that, you know, like I said, some of the stuff in there is so shocking, so fun sometimes. A lot of the action is really crazy. But again, it's always just a 50-50 with me with this series. It's just certain, you know, sometimes I'm loving the action. Sometimes I'm like, mm, you know, this has gone too far or I don't know why you're doing this. So it's going to be an interesting discussion. <laughs> you're insane. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> regarding like the voice, ca you're insane, but we'll get into the, the characters and voice cast. Jake was politely nodding like, yes, yes, yes. I am disagreeing like, vehemently <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> No, like the other, I can get behind some of the other stuff you might bring up, but uh, the voice cast, I will die on that hill, Dave. <laughs> I mean, judging how I came out of Dave there, I'm probably, you're probably going to assume that I love this show. And yes, this show is absolutely outstanding. Like they just nailed it. 
like in overall style and tone uh, it's just incredible and getting down to like specific scenes and panels like i haven't read the comics but judging from the people who have like i've spoken to online and stuff they say it's like one of the most faithful comic book adaptations ever and it also seems that much like they did with the boys they're just changing different story elements here and there but as steph mentioned the changes are actually improving upon the comics and i really like when an adaptation can do that like it's completely unlike any family friendly pg-13 content we typically associate with superheroes and i just think it delivers on a level of action comedy and themes that i found delightful and it is incredibly dark at times and there's really really brutal violence but that is not a i don't think that should be mistaken for like immaturity or a lack of like going towards a certain tone of stuff because i think every brutal death is treated um as an absolute shock and it works for the narrative like you feel every punch you taste every blood splatter like every single element of the violence in action is just adding to the narrative role and it's also just within that it's still a family drama and slash comedy that just happens to feature superheroes and for me that's what i kept on going back to the show it wasn't the violence it wasn't the superhero epicness it was the family drama going on between our main leads and also mark's you know life as a teenager because i'm a sucker for you know like coming of age stories the voice cast is incredible everyone's bringing their a in game and i just love that these episodes are 45 minutes long like Normally, as you mentioned, Dave, animated series are like 20, 25, 30 minutes, 30 minutes max for episodes. And they tend to be really, you know, plot driven because you're trying to fit all the action scenes and stuff with involved. So you don't get a lot of time. And you're lucky if you get one moment where there's like a really quiet character scene because you're most of the time you're really driving towards when's the next action scene, when's what's the bad guy doing, etc. So the fact that these 45 minute episodes uh, means you're getting a ton of superhero action, but you're also getting these really quiet and beautiful char character moments that's really refreshing within the superhero animation game. So, I, like Steph as well, I think the writing is top-notch. I really appreciate that Robert Kirkman wrote the first and last episodes, and from the other episodes, it, it, he's clearly set up a really, really good writing team. So, I this might be a boring review for some people from my end, but I have very little negatives to say about this show. Uh, this is two chefs' kiss from me. Like this is it fucking incredible. I love it. I mean, I do need to say that I don't think it's a comedy. It is a satire, but it's not really a comedy because I, I, I literally I was searching right now and seeing what does IMDb state, what kind of genre states, and. I'm very happy to don't say it's a comedy because it doesn't have the same bits. This is satire. It's a satire of the either of the genre itself. But uh, and yeah, like you guys said, I'm actually very happy that they're going with a more serious route because for one, it would be a huge dishonest to the comics. But I also understand what David says that there are some elements in there which. They obviously are a direct reference to pre-existing material, like the, the guys of the globe, for, for instance, which they are obviously an accumulation of Justice League and the Avengers, but they also also my issue back then with the comics, although back then I thought I was an aged teenager, but in reality I was just a, a savvy loser like like everyone else, which I started realizing. 
well, yeah, why did they make it like that? Why is War Woman basically Wonder Woman? What was the point of that? That is still something I still don't know why. Like they like because they do because these characters on their own they're very interesting, and don't think they need to be a direct reference. And especially someone like the Immortal, which we're gonna talk, um, I hope later on, is a very interesting character because of the background and his solo origin story. That's and I've seen a lot of people now online comparing him to. You know, the Captain America of the group or the Thor of the group, which I'm like, no, he's the immortal. He's his own thing. Out of all of them, he's probably the most original. But yeah, like I do see both views because those are two, because there are some issues which I do have, but I don't particularly think they're that big. But I kind of wish they had given more time and more story to them. Like, I, because I, I really liked the the final episode, the, the biggest, longest mid-credits scene, where we see, like, kind of in, each guardian in their own environment, which that gave a lot of substance and character to each one of them. And then, yeah, they just fucking die. <laughs> but, which, is, you know, it's great for the new people, because that kind of shows what this story is. But I wish we had more. Like, I wish this, we had the first episode, we had a bit more of the Guardians. Because I do think they could have done a lot more to each one of them. Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff will come down to my character stuff. But I think also what was interesting that both you guys have mentioned, especially with Steph, because he's read them. Um, but also one of Jake's side positives as well of, like, you know, loving it as a very faithful adaptation that was what was interesting as well, is that sometimes I was watching this thinking, I can imagine this does work well as a comic, but I just wasn't sure they worked so well as the visual medium. And I think what makes it more confusing, well, not so, like, confusing, but is that often, because it's animation, it literally is like the comic book has come to life. So I think that's where it's harder then to get that disconnect. So sometimes I did feel like I was just reading a comic or watching comic panels, which is not so much a bad thing, but I just feel that there's certain elements of like television and film, which usually and, and quite often will adapt or change things from comic book properties or f for film and television because they're like, oh, this wouldn't work in that medium. And I think that we've not really had this situation that much before because, again, there's not be been many animated shows which have kind of gone so faithful to, like, a, a certain series or comic book. So I did feel like a lot of the times I was, like, reading a comic book and, and seeing stuff that I thought this would work well in a comic book because I would be looking at it and it would sort of be giving me the story visually in a, do a lot of different ways. It's just something different about the experience, about reading something, seeing it. Whereas I don't think that this like elevated or changed anything. Whereas if you were watching it, say, like the boys, you, you look at Homelander in the comics compared to how he looks visually in in both mediums. And he looks quite different because obviously you just can't replicate that costume in live action. And I think that that's the difference here is because, because they can so faithfully adapt what they're doing. There's no change in the way you perceive things so for comic book fans like Steph maybe it's harder to disconnect that because he's not going to go well I don't like the way you adapted that or I don't like the way you didn't adapt that because he's literally seeing the exact same thing so he's not seeing it in any new way or form 
And I think that that was what was the struggle for me sometimes is I was watching it thinking, well, I don't really see how you've changed anything or made it into a new format. It just feels like the comic book format. It doesn't seem like it's been adapted to work specifically as a television program, which again, I think the writers of Umbrella Academy and the boys have done quite well before. I disagree, Dave. I, I highly disagree. I feel as if this is the comic book coming to life. And yes, it is taking a lot of panels and you know the costumes and everything straight out of the comics. But there's something about seeing it you know, visually moving, the the superheroes flying, the superheroes throwing punches, you know, them just, you know, moving from getting up from a, a seat to move somewhere else, like at the sound design, the music and everything. There is something about seeing that brought to life in an animation form. And I was actually thinking as watching this show, apart from the comics, because obviously that's where they were born, I genuinely think that animation might be the best medium for comic book and superhero storytelling because the possibilities are just endless with what they can do and i was just floored by some of the animation some of like the flight sequences and the action sequences that was just like you could never do this in live action and that's what's the joy of animation is that it can bring stuff from the comics that you think wow i wish i could see this live action but it's never going to happen they can do that with animation and that's what i really appreciate about it as well and i think Again, I haven't read the comics, but judging from what the people have said and Steph, they've changed enough elements within the story that it works for a television program, in my opinion, anyway. Part of the charm of the show for me is that there's so many apocalyptic threats happening on like a regular basis, and it just sort of feels routine. I love that you just get a bunch of superheroes show up and a bunch of supervillains show up. You don't really know who these are. They just kind of there, stand there and look cool. But they're there to use for narratively for Mark's story. Like in that episode where they take him down, that is meant to show Mark that he's so out of his game when he thinks he's meant to be, you know what I mean? It's meant to show the horror of actually being a superhero that he struggles a lot. He's meant to struggle throughout this entire series. Very rarely does he actually ever win a fight in this series, which I kind of love. But yeah, I just love that about it. I, I do think it does require a certain amount of knowledge of comic books, superheroes and the world and how they work. So that's why I think this is like a great time for this show to come out because if you had released this 10 years ago, I would have said I would probably agree with a lot of what you're saying, but now there's been so many Marvel movies, so many DC movies, there's you know superhero shows and movies coming out of our ears. I think the general population is so acquainted now with how the superhero genre works that you can throw them into a world like this and a lot of them can get on board with it. So, you know, I think the world building was done for a lot of the character dynamics rather than going, this is what these people do and they do this and this is, and this is, this is that team and stuff like that. So, yeah, that didn't bother me as much. But I think it's the same with the boys. You know, the, you have to have a certain understanding of superheroes to fully appreciate the boys, I think. Yeah, but I think there's, to me, again, I think without sort of referencing too much like things like the boys, but I think that there's certain reasons that they pull that off. And I think you're right, like I said, I'm not saying that this show completely fails. And, and a lot of the time I was thinking about it, watching it, going, yes, this takes that investment that we are at at the moment that people would watch this and go, oh, yeah, it's just some rip-off Justice League. Cool, you know, because they've seen the Justice League and they've seen the Avengers enough to know those tropes and to just buy into that. 
Uh, but again, it com- kind of comes into the stuff that Steph was mentioning about before, into the more satire stuff about like why is like she a re- why is a certain character a reflection of Wonder Woman? Why are these characters like that? And so I don't want to get too heavily into it here, but again, it's just my problem with the idea of like why are these characters satires of the character of original characters if there's not actually any point to it? I just don't understand why they are references to these characters if that's not the point of the show because to me that is the point of the boys is that you've got hey wouldn't it be funny if if like the aquaman ripoff was just a complete douche and it was funny that like he like speaks to 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 sea life in this way and you know wouldn't it be funny if uh, well not funny but you know, wouldn't it be interesting if you know the wonder woman equivalent you know had serious emotional issues and was very disconnected from her relationships and all that kind of stuff so even though while i'm not saying i expect to have that within the guardians of the globe there's just so many characters that they throw in here in terms especially supporting characters for mark that i'm like but why <laughs> why why are they this way why why have you decided to go down this route again when invincible is very much his own character but just nobody else seems to be or very much his own hero, I'll say. Not so much character, that's unfair. Oh, hey! It's the Iceman! Rex! Couldn't have won that fight without you. Oh! Except we did! They got old and ran away. Still counts. Welcome, Invincible. My name is Robot. Apologies for Rex Splode. He's... Unbelievably awesome! Incorrigible. And rude. And bored of this. Unduplicate. Invincible. Which one of you do I look at when we talk? Right, so let's sort of talk about some of the characters and the voice cast. Like, we need to talk about this insane cast because we've got John Hamm, Zachary Quinto, Sandra Oh, Walter Goggins, Gillian Anderson, Mark Hamill, Seth Rogen, Clancy Brown, and of course, you know, the two leads, J.K. Simmons and Stephen Young, and so, so much more. Uh, Steph, I'll start with you. This is just ridiculous, this cast. What did you think of the, the, the cast themselves and then some of your like favorite characters? Huge shout out to Mahashal Ali. Like, so huge. Like, I'm just, I didn't, I didn't realize it was him until his episode. I was like, wait, is that Mahashala? Is that Cottonmouth? Is Cottonmouth, the King Cottonmouth playing Titan? Is the future Blade being Titan? And I'm like, why is he playing all the cool characters in the comics now? What the hell? Which I'm absolutely fine with it. I have no issue with that. Uh, but yeah, no, this is a star cast. I knew about Steven Young's and J.K. Simmons. I knew that they were going to be in it, which I immediately thought, oh yeah, great casting, immediately. Like, this is top-notch, the three leads. And I was really excited. But it was only when I started watching the show. And, you know, if you watch on, on Prime, when you watch the episode, it says the each actor appears on frame. And I was thinking, wait, Julian Anderson is Adam Eve? Oh, that's such a brilliant thing to do. <laughs> and and just continue on and on. The thing and like, uh, John Hamm is that random security guy. I'm like, why is, why is Don Traper in this? And then I was like, I'm happy that Don Draper is here. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's just, it's just everywhere. Each one character, it's a 
it's an actor that I've known from something. Majority of them are from Walking Dead, which is always good to see, you know, a cast being still together. It's always great. But yeah, like as means of talent, it's there and it's great. As for my favorite characters, I do have specific ones, not necessarily because of the season, but because I know where they're going to go. But for now, definitely my favorite ones are Titan and uh, Robot slash Rerudy. How about yourself, Dave? Yeah, like I said, you know, at the top, I said that some of this is, you know, my problems with the show. Uh, but I think that while, again, animation can be great for voiceover artists specifically, especially when you start to get the the regulars show up. So especially Clancy Brown, for example, or Kevin Michael Richardson, they're just sort of staples of, of animation at this stage. So you kind of just go, yeah, you know, of course. And, you know, that that's always fun to uh, Mark see. Mark Hamill. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to see him there. J.K. Simmons has, again, got a history within, you know, even Cartoon Network stuff. Legend of Korra, loved him there. I think he does a fantastic job in this. He adds the exact amount of sort of threat and sort of scariness of, of Nolan, which I think that you need um, without being kind of just like he's playing Fletcher from Whiplash again. He's like playing very much a different kind of character. He's not doing anything that he's done before. Uh, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Stephen Yoon as Mark Grayson, Invincible, I think is top-notch. That's just perfect. Like, as, there's never a point in which I just didn't believe the emotion or the intention of what he was playing in those moments. I thought he was fantastic. Very, You could buy into him as a kind of teenager as well, which is also important. Sandra O oh is great as Debbie, I think, because like Stefanos, I think, mentioned to me before that the mother hasn't got as big a role in the comics. So I think that she helped to level that up, which is fantastic. Um, and also has some just really like devastating moments, which the the animation helped with as well, especially in that last episode in which, you know, you've got Mark there, like seeing if his mom's OK, she wants food and she's just like breaking down in the bedroom. Like that was a really sort of like very hard hitting, realistic scene, which I thought was really nice. Zazie Beats, I really like as Amber. I think she does a really good job. Um, it's just great to keep seeing her in more and more of these kind of films and TV series. I thought she was great in Deadpool. Gillian Jacobs, I also do like as Atom Eve. Again, it's you know it's the Britta thing, but sometimes she's one of those actresses in which you're like, uh, I don't know if she's quite right for that or if you've put, cast her well, but I think she's cast in a good role here. I think that her her voice again doesn't come across as a kind of like live action actress just shoehorned into this series i think that she does work for that role and for the character so i liked her zachary quinto i'm not sure like i'm not sure i do enjoy i really love zachary quinto i love him and i've been a fan of him ever since heroes uh, where he played silas um and i think here this was an example of me watching it going oh wow they really were able to get some top-notch actors here and he really does suit robot um, so I really do like him, but in a way he kind of symbolizes some of my issues with the other performances. Of course, I'm going to like, you know, Mark Hamill. Um, I also want to shout out to Jeffrey Donovan, Machine Head. I, I just really like that character <laughs> and the way that he yeah. sounds. Just like his attitude was just like really funny to me. I, I, I really liked him. But then I have a lot of issues with bringing in characters or actors who especially play a lot of comedic roles in other series 
and it, it just took me out of it so many times. And I, I probably my biggest problem is with Jason Manzukis. I knew you Rex were going to say that. I knew I it. I hated this. I really <laughs> didn't like Jason as Rexplode because I, I'm a big fan of like Big Mouth and he's in, in Close Enough as well. He's done so many animated sitcoms. At this stage, he's kind of becoming one of those actors in which they're like, oh, we're doing an animated sitcom. We have to have Jason in this. So when he's in this series, I just can't take him seriously. And I know that his character isn't the most serious of characters. But to me, it's just when I when you're watching him in like this like raunchy cartoon show about like preteen teenagers. And then to see him in this, I'm like playing the same role. I think, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, why can't he be in other things? Because he's doing the exact same voice. That's the problem. Like J.K. Simmons is playing a different character. He's doing a different role. Jason Manzukas is playing Jason Manzukas again. And it's just the exact same way he sounds in Big Mouth and in Close Enough. I just really don't like it. I think that it really undermines everything that they're trying to do because it just makes it corny and cartoony and goofy. It makes it a Cartoon Network show when he's in it. I really don't like him in it. And it kind of like makes the whole name of the character even more stupid. So don't like him at all. Anytime he was in a scene, I was completely taken out of the show. That happens as well with the fact that they've got bloody Justin Roiland in an episode. I was like, oh, come on. You know, you've literally got the Rick and Morty guy in an episode. That that was really distracting to me. Ezra Miller, I found, was distracting. That just, again, came across to me as, like, let's get this Hollywood actor in a role. I think with Mahershala Ali, etc., I can respect the hell out of that because, like Steph, I was kind of like, oh, is that him? Whereas, again, I just felt that Ezra Miller was just there because it's Ezra Miller and he's just kind of putting on this goofy voice. I I really just don't feel... I'm like, he's not really a voice actor and that's the problem. Some of this just kind of stream, screamed DreamWorks kind of like, oh, let's get this Hollywood actor to play this role. And it's like, but why? They don't even suit the role. And it's like, or you can tell that it's them. And that's the point of voice acting is you're meant to not know it's them. So, you know... Seth Rogen was really distracting. <laughs> Alan the <What>? Alien. <laughs> Even oh, though I said, no. <laughs> no, come on. He was perfect. No, maybe for the character, yes. But again, just after all the other people, I was a bit like, oh, this is just adding to this. If it was just him, I could have probably excused it. And like I said, even though as much as I love Clancy Brown, probably more the character is my issue in that in that circumstance. But again, I just found that that was too kind of, I was like, I've heard this from Clancy Brown enough times. Like, what is the purpose of this? Why are we doing this kind of Hellboy reference and spoof? Why are we satirizing that? I just don't understand what the point of it is. It doesn't serve the story apart from to go, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we reference this character? And I'm like, but why? Why are we doing that? But yeah, my main issue is with either the two, the, the celebrity voices who just don't add anything to it or the people who are comedic actors or cartoon actors who very much bring that cartoon or comedic performance to the role when it doesn't even warrant it. You know, especially like I said, in moments like where you've got Atom Eve is like having a, a serious breakup with Rex Splode and he's like cheated on her. And while... Jillian Jacobs is sort of like taking it seriously. I just feel that 
Jason Manzukis isn't. He's just going like, hey, w- w- babe, come on. That's just what I'm like. And I'm like, can we please take this seriously? You know, like, it's, I just find it distra- distracting. I, I really didn't like him in this in this series, if you haven't guessed already. <laughs> well, for starters, uh, apologies if I said Gillian Anderson instead of Gillian Jacobs. <laughs> apologies. <laughs> apologies if I said that. I, I think I said that as well, so... <laughs> Okay, so, uh, and secondly, um, how dare you for Damon Darkblood? Although, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 to be fair, to just say this, because that was actually one of the changes they made from um, from the comics, because in the comics, Darkblood, he's far more of a joke, to be honest. They don't take him seriously, and even in the end, he kind of like, you know, he's gone away. And then he comes back several issues later after the whole Omni-Man happened. And then he says, I know who did it. It was Omni-Man who killed the Guardians. And then everyone was just laughing at him. <laughs> so so, so this is a better approach, to be honest. Because if you thought that this was pointless to you, believe me, in the comic book, it's far worse. Yeah, I didn't really have a problem with Jason Manzukas. I don't think I haven't really seen him in much other stuff before. I'm aware of him. I've seen like clips of him and stuff doing his thing, and I've seen like sketch comedy of him and stuff. I've never seen him in like a lot of narrative stuff, like these TV shows that you've mentioned, Dave. So that's probably why it didn't stand out for me. Granted, he was like an asshole throughout the whole thing, but is intentionally, and I by the end of the two episodes, you're seeing some character progression with him. For my favorite thing, I mean. I haven't really talked, we've talked about, you know, Rexplode and Alan the Alien a lot, but um, I want to talk about the trio of the lead, so Mark and his parents, like, because that is the core of the show. And I think, like, because I found out that J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, and Stephen Young were all able to record together for a lot of the scenes. And I do think it really shows within the performances because you really feel the chemistry and interplay between them. And one scene I like to highlight, which I was just like, oh, my God, well, this is awesome, is that it's the moment where you have Debbie dealing with her superpowered child. You know, when he says, make me. And then she says, oh, do you feel tough now that you've got all these powers? And I think I feel as if it's really interesting that we're touching on a lot of this type of stuff that we haven't really seen in superhero film or TV when a parent has to deal with a superpowered child like this. Like the whole idea of, you know, uh, absolute power corrupting absolutely is all is awesome and and watching steven young and sandra oh go back and forth in that scene i was just like wow this is such an interesting dynamic and seeing how the whole idea of dealing with a child that could possibly throw you into space so i got a bit big praise to um sandra oh because i think Debbie is probably the MVP of the series for me. And I do like that they beefed up our role. Again, I haven't read the comics, but what they've said that they've really beefed up our role in this. And to be that really powerful anchor for Mark. And again, that scene that you mentioned, Dave, where he goes up and she's crying there. I'm just like, this is so real as well. Like, Even though there's a lot of superheroes involved in here, this is what kept, I said it kept me going back to the show. It's this family dynamic, the real issues that families go through, what a teenager goes through, you know, going through puberty and all that sort of stuff in coming of age stories. I just love all that stuff. And I thought the core of the show 
you know, say what you want about some of the like the subplots, because even I will say throughout the middle of the series, some of the subplots were not as interesting for me as the main stuff. I think the focus on the trio of characters, the leads, was hugely successful, and I felt every bit of emotion going to that f- the finale, and that finale just <laughs> just had me in balls, man. I also think, as well, as I mentioned up top, and you mentioned, Dave, with these 45-minute episodes, again, if you had 20-minute, 25-minute animated episodes, this is one of the stuff that does, does not appear in those episodes because it doesn't really drive the plot forward. It just adds character, and unfortunately, in animated shows, you've got to cut a lot of that stuff out to get the plot going. Got to commend them for committing for these 45 to 50 minute episodes because it's stuff like this, man. I love it. Yeah, and one of the best things that they did in the show, uh, the comic books, is that they gave the human characters far more to deal with. Because, especially like we said about Debbie, which she has, she has sex, she's the MVP in all this to what she has to deal with and how she actually acts and which actually gives far more depth than she does in the comic books. In the comic books is far more like the wife, the mother, and it's more than that kind of, not a pun, not a pun but two-dimensional character. And I do like that they give, they kind of make her into a lead. But also another character, a human character who benefits in the show is Amber. Because again, in the, in the comic books is again, the love interest. Like, she doesn't even learn Mark's uh, identity as invincible. Like, way later on, when they go to college. And so, and that's the moment we started realizing, oh, they're doing some shifts with some characters. And especially with the final episode, which basically the two of them get back together, that's started realizing, okay, they're going to keep Amber for a while. Because in the comic books, at this point... We wouldn't have seen her until season three. So, so they're obviously they're making the creative choice of making her far more important. And also makes sense because the whole thing about Mark in the fight with Nolan was that he, he doesn't, he's not gonna betray his own world, his own people. And so it makes sense that he would continue having relationships with vital humans in his life. And I'm not, I, I want to say, I wanna, really want to say what's happening afterwards. Because if, if what I think is going to happen based on the comics, I think it will benefit a lot more to what they are approaching this time around. That's what's interesting about the fact that you said that like all of this happens over so many issues. I think that's where some of my problems are as well, is that you look at something like Game of Thrones, for example, which focuses on like the Stark children well, obviously they set up several, you know, the families, but they give you your sort of lead characters. And then as the series goes on, you start to follow characters like Brienne a bit more and you follow some of the side characters and go off on these different adventures. So here, I felt that again, it's, you know, it's, it's very much like a comic book series in which you would understand if you were going off on these tangents with Robot and the team, you know, Team Teen, etc. And the Mauler twins, like they spend so much time with the Mauler twins. And I was there watching it kind of like, why are we doing this? That's where I found it weird that we kept then going to like, you know, Team Teen and setting up the new Guardians and focusing, having scenes solely with them. And I'm just like, why do I care about these guys at this stage again? Because I haven't really been told anything about them. You'll and, see. You know, yeah, I understand like that they're building up to something, but I, I just mean about like, why should I care about them? Because you haven't told me 
anything about them. We haven't had, like I said, with Game of Thrones, you haven't seen Brienne of Tarth build up from a secondary character, like a really background character, to then over time she's grown and grown and grown. It's, they didn't do that. They just brought them in straight away and go like, hey, there's all these new characters. Like, you know, here's 10 characters. And you're like, okay, you know, like, why am I following them? I still think throughout the series, though, you do get little moments of unpeeling of who they are. You know, you do have that subplot with Robot, you know, wanting to become human so he can be with Monster Girl. So you get a bit of what his motivation is. You know, you get the Monster Girl, the fact that, you know, every time she changes, she keeps aging younger. I was like, oh, that's an interesting spin on like the whole monster stuff. So I thought you do get little moments throughout. And yeah, like Steph, like I'm just waiting to see what they do because especially since they announced seasons two and three, this show looks like it's got a, a, got a lot of steam. So I'm willing to wait. Like I'm not so... They don't take me out of it, and I do care for them. They, they, but maybe not as much as the leads, but there's enough there for me to go, I'm interested in these characters. Let's see how they use in the future. Yeah. Well, it's like I said at the top, I don't think any of this is bad. Like you said, they pull off those, you know, showing the glimmers of character really well, like the, the robot stuff, the monster girl. None of it is bad. Like, they all do it pretty well. Again, I just think that there's certain times in just like, I think that it just takes away from the Invincible Atom Eve stuff. It's just unfortunate that they they want to go with so many side storylines, which are not necessarily bad. They're still good. But I'm just like, I just don't know why you'd want to take away from your main storyline and your main characters in this way. I just think that this would have been bet better left to a later season or a season with more episodes. You should be on my side. they've got you in. Talk about pandering to gender roles. I designed my own costume, and I thought your doctorate was in seismology. Undergrad in sociology and women's studies. I had a minor in African dance. But enough politics! Right, so the animation style I think we need to talk about. So, uh, I believe they use the animation studio Maven, which does all the DC animated movies and stuff for like that. And look, you know, we've spoke about it recently on the show of, of how much we like or maybe dislike some of the DC animated movies. I think most of them are really well done and animated, but I think with Invincible, you can, again, you can see what happens when you're given a longer production schedule and quite a bit more budget. And I think a lot of the stuff is the details for me. It's the continuity stuff of showing how much blood is on a certain character and how it transitions from the next scene. The exact same marks of blood are still there, or if not, they're getting added through, through each punch. I think all those little details are incredible. Those are the type of shortcuts that most animation studios look for when they're making these type of shows. You know, in the end of episode seven, when Immortals like gouging out um, Omni-Man's eyes, the whole episode of episode eight, he's still got those eyes. You know, it's not because of it's, he's angry. It's because he's had his eyes gouged out. And the fact that they keep on making it worse with his anger, I'm just that attention to detail is just incredible. I just love it so much. So it's the attention to detail and also just the action and the acting, I think, is the two big things you can see the improvement of animation. Like, you see all these big spectacle, the camera works going everywhere, all the animations being laid out for these big moments, but then you can also have quiet moments between two characters. And for me, I can really see the subtlety of the acting, especially as we mentioned before with the trio of J.K. Simmons, Sandro, and Stephen Young. And um, I do like that they brought in Corey Walker, who was the original artist for the comic books. 
probably, you know, you guys have some reservations against this because we were just talking about you should change some designs from the comics to fit, um, you know, a TV show or a film. But it looks like they were fully committing to the comics by bringing in Corey Walker to do slight redesigns for the TV show, but still honoring the comics. But Dave, what do you think of the animation style they used here? It's very, for me, reminiscent of the DC stuff because it is made by the same studio. Um, but at the same time, for me, it's achieving heights and levels that we don't see in Western animation. We, stuff we only really see in Japanese animation, you know, anime with some of the action and stuff like that. But yeah, what did you think? Yeah, well, I think in some ways like, it's quite similar to like some like Avatar, Legend of Korra in that way of sort of mixing in some of the strengths that you get from animation from, you know, countries like Japan, etc. So, yeah, I think it's very similar to the DC stuff uh, in some ways, but on a, a higher level because even the DC stuff cuts a lot more corners and, like you said, wouldn't have the detail that they do in certain action scenes. Especially, like, say, in the first episode, like, I really loved the first flight scene. The music did a lot for that, but also the animation, just, like, you know, that feeling of sort of gliding through the city. And every time, I don't know if it's just the same city, but every time we visit that city, I was always really impressed by the scale of it you have a lot of animated shows and movies like the DC ones where you don't quite get the scale of the city and you don't really sort of get the feeling of what you have when you're in somewhere like New York or London. Whereas here, I really like that they focused on like the reflectiveness of like the glass buildings and it was very much like a blue tone to it. And then when they were in somewhere which was more like a desert sort of place or the forest, there was those kind of different like colors used. So I thought that the animation was really vibrant when they were in somewhere like you know, the main city or when the, something was happening at night. Um, I thought that that worked really effectively. I think, the, like Steph said earlier, there are times where I felt that the designs sort of let them down sometimes or they were just too simplistic in their approach to certain dialogue moments or certain action scenes they could sort of, like, just have, like, I think when, like, the Martians were invading, for example, sometimes they would just have, like, Martians just, like, in a freeze frame and people doing certain things in like stills which they often do in like anime and stuff but you can't criticize them too much again for that because again it's just the way things are and that's the way television often works but i think the biggest thing is say like a character like cecil i think for me i was just like i would like a bit more detail there i get that he's supposed to be this old like scarred man but because his design was so simplistic to me he quite often looked like a sort of flash animation character like something you'd have like on the internet from years ago Whereas I think that his design could be to like Nolan, Debbie, Mark, Amber, Eve, all of them looked fantastic, but just some of the more supporting characters could just look sometimes very basic and very like flash animation-y without much detail or anything there. So that was the only time I was sort of like let down a bit. I was just wanting a bit more, especially again, if these characters are sort of like parried in for certain characters or are meant to be more investable characters it would just would have been nice to have something a bit more visually interesting with them. Same with like the Mauler twins. I was like, okay, they're just bulky guys who are blue. I didn't really find that there was much visually interesting with them. Uh, Steph, what did you think of the animation style? We need more money. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, 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 need, we, need, we need more money for a lot of stuff. Like everything you guys said about the action sequences, perfect. Like, holy shit. Like I was like, I didn't know we were able to do this. 
in, in, in a West, you know, in a Western studio in, in, in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> Every Friday. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but like in the, to see an American show to do action like that, because yeah, because I do actually like the DC animated films, but because of, because they are on VOD, they have very limited budget and time to do them. And it was always a bit disappointing. Because uh, like how many times I've seen flashpoints, and I always wish, ah, why would you have the fallout war in the end? Like I'm mean, like money it makes sense. So in this case, I like that whenever they were doing something huge and extreme, they put every creative option in it. Like uh, the, when Omni Man went to the different dimension and basically committed genocide, the whole explosions are happening. It was like. It's, it's the shit that I've that seen in Akira, and I always say, why don't we do this? And we saw it, and I'm like, this is brilliant. Like, small stuff like that. But there were some shots in the final fight that I could see they used 3D animation, and I was like, ugh, I can see that. That, that ain't good. Even though, like, overall, the sequence works, that really put me off. It was specifically when the two of them go to the underground train and there's this one shot where people just running out running away from the debris and you can see that there's 3d figures just turning and just running and i'm just thinking dude there's a reason why we don't play playstation one anymore because it looks shit <laughs> don't don't do that why especially when you had the brilliant shot of mark holding the building and you can see the glass breaking through and i'm like how do we go from this and we're going to shoot a playstation one figures like anyways that's just that's just me and as for the as i said before the quiet moments it's not even the quiet moments i think just the issue with when the reaction shots where it's just basically a still frame and just conveying a, just conveying a single emotion without an actual like let's say like actual acting of the character, which it's, I understand that it is part of the medium because it's cheaper. It's also a way of playing with the comic book genre. But there were times which, uh, like I said, the writing and the voice acting were like on a high level, but they were, but I was thrown off by how it was presented. And that it, and especially when we go to the final episode at this moment when Nolan like is an absolute like fight with himself to what to do with Marker, you can see it on each frame as a different emotion and all the wrinkles in his head. And I'm like, you see, that I wanted to see in every dramatic conversation that these characters have had so far. So I hope that we see this in the future. Because I can see that you guys are able to do it. It is obviously money, <laughs> yeah, which I which I understand, and I obviously it's not something I put it on them, obviously, because I can see they try everything they can with the resources they can use. But I'm not gonna lie that it did throw me off a bit in some moments. But beyond that, uh, whenever I think about the highlights, they are far more than the negative. Because again, the fact that I can only like hand, I can pick a handful, like only with my one hand, all the all the shots or moments that threw me off. It's a very positive thing in an eight season, eight eight episode season. I don't know. I think how much money do you want to throw at this? 
Like it's already like compared to oh, other. Is Jeff Bezos? Uh, come that, on, but, come on. But like compared <laughs> to other superhero animated movies and TV shows, like come on, this has to be some of the highest animation quality we've ever seen. So like the little shortcuts here and there, I'm expecting with all animation, like even in some of the Disney films, like the 3D stuff, you get, you can see some of the shortcuts and stuff like that. So I'm always expecting that. I'm just so impressed with the le- the the amount of shortcuts that they didn't take. Do you know what I mean? Like we spoke about in the DC movies that a lot of like the um, the just the general public in the streets and stuff are very stagnant. It doesn't seem like a lively city. Every time or we were in a don't po- have any. Either. Oh, they just don't have any. <laughs> yeah. Every time we were in a populated area like a city or something in this show, you felt that that they were hundreds, thousands of people throughout there, and not just like standing still. They were like moving about, running away from all like the carnage that was going on and stuff. So I thought they did a brilliant job on that with adding those little extra details that you just don't see in most animated shows. Yeah, think of the Netflix stuff, Stefanos. Like how many, you know, how many cheap like Netflix animations are there? Not counting like love, you know, love robots, whatever. <laughs> love death, love death robots. Yeah, um, but like you think again, as some of the stuff they do, like in Castlevania, like that is very like cheap at certain times. So I think that Jake is right in that the they do a lot here, which like certain animated shows aren't. But yeah, it would be nice if, and uh, I suppose you know when you get a second or third season, usually the budget will go up anyway. So that's that's promising as well i agree with steph come on bezos fork out some more mm. money man you you got plenty Something that's obviously we've briefly talked about here and there, but is throughout this whole show, I think is the use of violence. Dave, I'll go to you first. How did you feel as if they used violence in this show? Do you feel it was effective or did it take you out of it at times? I wouldn't say it took me out of it. I think that it worked really well in some circumstances. But like we discussed in our discussion about R-rated superhero movies, etc., and especially through like looking at different opinions in preparation for that, I very much have now gone into something like this with a sort of different mentality. So I was very much thinking, well, what serv- what does this do to the story? What 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 kind of how is this adding to it, or why are we having it? And sometimes I do have to admit that I feel they was just doing it for the sake of it, or to be kind of like super violent and to be kind of like gory and cool. But again, that's just not my thing. I'm just not like, I don't care if I see, you know, like blood and guts in a like, oh my God, that's awesome kind of way. And we we actually recently talked about it. I won't go into that conversation, but, you know, me and Tom were mentioning about Logan recently about like, oh, everyone loves that because it's just so like, you know, a, an ultraviolet uh, version of Wolverine, which again, to me, if I'm just not into that, like blood and guts Wolverine, then there's just nothing, add, you know, there's, there's nothing extra for me to be invested for in there. So here, I just felt that there were times in which I was like, I don't really see what this is adding to the story. But on the flip side, I think that there are a lot of times in which it does. 
especially like the, the the final episode for example like when literally mark is there like looks like like a sack of shit essentially like he's been beaten to an absolute pulp and like his cheeks all like swollen and his teeth all gone and he's like but dad and i was like oh my god like that is grim but it works and also when nolan kills the guardians like that works because again you really feel that like oh my god what is he doing sometimes i felt it was just a bit too much i was like do we really need to see you know him like literally like rip open a person and that kind of stuff especially when they're like i'm like i thought these were meant to be the guardians of the globe especially what was that one who's called like green something like <laughs> green ghost is it green ghost like her power i was just like she was completely useless in that fight i was like you're supposed to be able to like Trying, you know, go through stuff, and she literally did nothing in that fight. It was just used for the purpose of like, oh, I'm just gonna rip them open. I was the, like, the, the one thing she could do, she didn't do, is she got a punch in her face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so she just caught somebody as well, which I was like, okay. Uh, but yeah, so there was times like that where I just didn't know what the purpose of the violence was for. I just felt that it was like overly. Like I know you guys love that episode, and I like it up to a certain point with the. The titan stuff but at the end again when that like lion guy is just there like beating the hell out of mark i was just like i, d I don't really know what this is adding to it and especially with superhero stuff i think that it does sometimes take away from that disbelief and the kind of mythical element of stuff when you're making it so realistic and bloody and especially when you're dealing with characters like mark and nolan who are meant to be invincible characters but then you're like but they can also bleed so you know it's like it's like superman you kind of like when something touches him or does you know because he's man of steel then it makes sense that he doesn't bleed but you when they're bleeding i'm like well i thought they were meant to be invincible so i don't quite understand how that works but i'm assuming it's because it's usually when it's something which is like a very very powerful being like nolan or that lion guy sorry i don't know his name um so, yeah, I just felt that there were certain times which I was like, this is just going a bit too graphic for me. It's not really serving the story or there's not real any purpose to it. Whereas, again, when it's done in things like The Boys, you've got, like, a character like Huey there, like, oh, you know, like, reacting to it. So you've at least got the reaction there. And because it's a live-action show, then you're getting that realistic view of it and you get, like, a horrible, gruesome moment, like, when... Uh, what's her name something claw when she like crushes that guy with her legs when she's <laughs> having sex with him and that's like disgusting but like again the boys are watching it and like oh and like that's used to tell you like how compound v is messing up these people etc whereas here again i just didn't feel they serve service the story always the thing it did with the nolan and invincible stuff if you needed to see how badly they were getting hurt by it but other times i just felt it was done for the sake of it I disagree again. I mm. <laughs> I felt it all felt purposeful to the story they were telling and the world they were building within this. Like I disagree. Like with the Huey thing, you know, you had that reactionary. I felt Mark was that throughout the entire series. Like I think the most spoken piece of dialogue he says is "Oh shit." <laughs> like he just constantly because mm, yeah. he's constantly like getting his ass handed to him or just seeing these gruesome things happen around him and blood splatting in his face he's just like oh fuck shit like how do i do this like and he and it's all about his character growth and him building up to that final fight you know i think also something to keep in mind with invincible is that 
It was created the same year that Kirkman created The Walking Dead. You know, and given Kirkman's love of horror and zombies, I don't think it should come to any surprise to anyone that Invincible would lean all the way into, like, graphic content. And me personally, I do think there is an element of taste involved, as you said up top, Dave. And for my taste, I just love that they committed to this visceral imagery in the series. I, what makes this, the show and these action scenes so impactful in, in the style, the framing, the vivid colors, it's just really, really cool, stylish and retro. Uh, yeah, I just couldn't believe the stuff I was seeing on screen because it was over the top, but it also didn't feel excessive. It wasn't like Deadpool in a way that it was used for comedic effect. It felt proper to the narrative and i think like most superhero movies and shows tend to shy away from that and i get what you mean the whole fantastical mythological element of that again it's down to taste my sort of taste with superheroes is that i prefer the grittier more realistic style of things so and i think kirkman also is as well so i totally understand why if someone would be hit by someone with super strength you're going to see a lot of excessive blood come out and guts and all sorts of things. Bodies would literally explode in the most gruesome ways imaginable. So I'm on with that. I, I do like the epic battle at the end of episode one where we get Omni-Man taking down the Guardians. I think like the cross-cutting between the characters that move at super speeds and the, one that do and the ones that don't was so cool to see. I especially like when uh, Red Rush is like pummeling his hands into Omni-Man's chest and he just like ends up with broken hands. I just thought, oh, that's so fucking cool. But at the same time, I'm just like, whoa, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I was just enthralled with that whole entire sequence. Steph, what are your thoughts on the use of violence? Again, knowing where you came from with the comics, but apparently from what I've heard, that they've said that they've actually doubled the amount of violence that we see in the comics. Yeah... Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about with violence with me. I am both excited when it happens because that gives more creative freedom. But also I don't like it because on certain people or creatives, they do it a bit too much that it kind of takes it out away from the story or at least they're trying so hard to make a point that afterwards it gets boring here the majority of the time is great the majority like the the fact that the first episode like on the entirety has no violence maybe actually it's it seems very pg 13 stuff until the mccredit scene which i imagine for you two and i and for a lot of other people that was the moment saying Oh shit, this is not the show I thought I was watching. Mm -hmm. And which is great. Like me as someone uh, someone who knows all the shit, it's, it's great uh, seeing all these reactions. But to be honest, the problem with violence after a while, especially when it gets very excessive, it comes to the point which I call it the elimination of uh, oh wait, how's it called? I forgot how it's called. I have a name for it. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, disrespect of human life, and which after a while, when it, when it happens constantly and constantly, in the end you come out not really caring who dies, what happens, and and there are some cases which they do happen. I think I think for me, 
I'm one of the very few who was not a big fan of the first season of The Boys. I'm a big fan of the second one, but the first season for me felt very off because of the violence sometimes how it was used. But uh, but then I preferred it when it happened in the second season. In this one, even though I was really on point up to uh, possibly uh, even the previous episode in a way, but I do agree that with David when he said that why did Nolan had to kill this person in that certain way? Because that is because that is actually what puts me off. It's not the fact that he kills someone violently; it's the fact that he chooses how violently he will kill each person, which it doesn't seem, especially knowing in the end, like Nolan is a military person in the end. Why does he have to be so picky to how of a mo how much of a monster he has to be for each kill, while he could just be methodical in each way just to be fast with it? Which is fine, again, it's not a huge issue. Until the final fight, and specifically, <laughs> the train scene. <laughs> which, which it kind of reminded me a lot of anime shows, which can do the same thing, like an ex extremely explicit. Which, usually with anime, is just for exploitation. Here, I understand what was the point for it. But as a means of storytelling, you've made your point. You, you, we know why you do this. We know why you act the way you do. And you've, you're always using the same propaganda monologue. Propaganda, by the way, is not gone. <laughs> and, and to Mark, just to convince him to be on your side. But for, like, for me, especially as a comic book reader and who knows everything, I'm not gonna lie, after a while I was like, just be done with this. Like, I like the action and everything, but just, just, just be done. Like, I know, I know what you're saying. Which, which is fine. Which, again, I think that's why I actually appreciate the Guardian, the new Guardians for, you know, for actually for trying to step up and actually starting helping people. I think that was possibly my favorite part with the Guardians in the whole season. The fact that they, they, uh, disobeying so but not to fight Omni-Man, but to going to help people, which I think that will, will most likely that's going to be the arc over for the next season. And this is kind of like solidifies them as the new Guardians, which I think that, that I like. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of the, of this uh, violent scenes on regular people, I do like that the aftermath did actually show how staggering and 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 uh, and horrible it was for the whole world and i think that is my way of forgiving what i've seen before because the because especially when i know where this is gonna go if they're always gonna do something like this after a while i simply won't i'm, I'm not i won't care but it won't hit the same way yeah, no, I, I can see what you mean. Personally, I thought, like, we as the audience were familiar with how Omni-Man was, you know, content against humanity, sort of. Um, didn't really care about casualties of war. Um, but Mark didn't really understand that. So that's why I thought the excessive violence in that final fight was used so Mark could understand who Omni-Man truly is. And, you know, and it, it adds further to in when he, you know, he 
he looks at Mark's mother as nothing more than a pet. Like when he said that, I was like, oh shit. So I think the excessive violence is adding to the character of Omni-Man and making Mark understand who this guy is. And, uh, is. and you know, he's also going on stuff about, you know, uh, 17 years is nothing in the grand scheme of thing. I'll make another kid. But he still, I do think there is a redemptive arc there because, you know, we part of, of Omni-Man does have feelings for Mark whether he wants to admit it or not, because we get that flashback scene of him, you know, seeing him play baseball and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he felt genuine joy of watching him grow up. And at the end, you know, we see him fly away where, where he's crying and stuff like that. And I think those are the elements of this show that just raise the stakes and just raise the series overall above just the carnage. I just, I think anyone can put a bunch of blood and guts on, sh on, on the show, but I think with these little scenes in between the action, it never neglect like the action never neglects any of the heartfelt emotion at the end of this story. So yeah, I didn't have a problem with that at all. And I also don't, again, don't, sh I like that they didn't shy away from the amount of casualties in these superheroes things. Again, I granted, I know a lot of people have issues with that, you know, a big, talking point was like man of steel and the amount of destruction that went on there so i think it's playing on the similar beats i just think it's whether or not you want to embrace that aspect of not of seeing so much death of us the common folk and the superheroes not really caring uh, but like steph said i do like that at the end as well you do get the teen titans that is sort of a little redemptive arc where they go out and start helping people and i hope we get to see more of that in future seasons so i do agree with steph I don't want to see this all the time for future seasons, but I do feel it does play an important part of this show and what they're trying to say about violence within superheroes. Yeah, I think like the first episode was a good example is that you've gone up, you've spent that entire episode having like a PG-13 episode and then at the end, then that's because it strikes all the more. So if in some ways, if they hadn't been as violent up to the point of this final episode or like, there wasn't as much violence in certain parts of the final episode it would have hit more when nolan was trying to make those big messages to mark and i think in some ways it's almost like nolan said maybe i should have i shouldn't have raised you as a human and i was watching it like yeah maybe you should have because that is quite a bad like you know on hindsight that you know you really didn't prepare him at all for this you know what did you expect and i think that because he hammers his his message home so much i think a bit like i agree partly with steph that they could have to me, when Mark plows through that building and he is responsible for all that destruction by literally going through trains and buildings, that to me was like, oh, wow, he's like responsible for all this and he can see everything that's happening. But then for Nolan, just keep doing it and keep doing it. I was like, Steph, I was like, okay, we get it. I, but I also understood from Nolan's point of view that he was just like, why does he not understand? So I appreciated both levels of it. So I think it's like we're saying, it's about taste, but also just getting that balance right. And just what you like in your content. But I think it is difficult when we're talking about characters like Deadpool, etc. Or even like like I like a lot of the, you know, Kick-Ass and Kingsman stuff. You know, some of it is, glor you know, just for glorifying violence sake and exploiting it. Sometimes it's done for like character, you know, with someone like Hit Girl or someone who's like raised as an assassin. And she's literally got like blades. So it's like Deadpool. You understand, oh yeah, they're slicing them open because they've literally got like a katana blade whereas like we said here with nolan it's like why does he need to like rip somebody in half you know etc he can just punch through somebody and just stop their heart or something there's why do we need to have all these like graphic cool deaths all the time 
and it's, it's kind of going back to what Jake said about, you know, like it's that horror element. To me, it makes sense when we're in a horror environment um, or we're in a more supernatural environment. But here, again, if you're deal- dealing with more like Superman type characters, it's just a bit more of a, a weird blend, which I think sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. It just would be nice if they were a bit restrained. I think a good example is in the, the episode with the robot cyborg people. Like I just was kind of like, why is this here? Like, do we really need to go this graphic with it? Like, yeah, I get it, but it's just a bit too, you know, like I just didn't see what what service that give to the story or to the, you know, yeah, it made it more grim for the characters, especially Mark's best friend, you know, losing his boyfriend like that. Like it made that more horrible. But apart from that, it just came across as like, Ugh, you know, it wasn't doing what we were getting from the Nolan and Mark stuff and sort of adding to the story but but yeah it's really difficult because it's such a balance of taste and you know story and 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 all that kind of stuff you're doing this for nothing being a part of the empire will make earth better than it ever was (laughs) and what if they resist that's why we're here to keep them from resisting to show them how wrong they are how pointless it is that they can be a part of something bigger or die. You. You want to die for this planet? Fine. What's 17 more years? I can always start again. Make another kid. All right. Um. To see us out, then, uh, Dave, I'll go with you first, and then Steph, you can close us out. But what are your sort of expectations for future seasons? Because they have announced season two and three. That's coming down the pipeline. And your final thoughts on this season? I think it's hard for me to say, like, you know, this is why I want them to change or this is why I want them to do. Because, again, it's not one of those shows in which, like I said, even though we've had many times in which Jake is like, I disagree. But, again, I'm not talking about any of these. as like, I think this is a major problem with the show. And this is why this show is not working. It's not good. It's just, again, some of it just doesn't gel with me. And I think it's interesting for, for a lot of it, I think, because... You know, you're dealing with like what Nolan wanted to do. Again, it's that very much like the kind of like a Thanos mentality. And, you know, you're dealing a lot with Nazism of like, you know, this is bad. You know, this idea of like only like the pure people should be left and the strongest will survive and all that kind of stuff. So I think for me, I was kind of like, oh, it's too bad we sort of like built up to this all season long. So I would like to see a lot more of that from obviously what Steph's saying in terms of like morality and that kind of stuff. I'm assuming we'll get a lot more of that there's obviously that element of like you know if superman was evil kind of stuff which again i I can't say like oh i want less of that it's just the as i've said before that's just not my bag i'm not interested in that as a storyline which jake has often said you know he he's very interested in but i am interested in the more invincible side of like the coming of age story becoming a hero and i think that it is interesting that you know he's he's having to juggle this stuff and i'm glad that they had like uh, Amber, for example, go, oh, yeah, I know you're invincible, you know, but do you think I'm dumb? And, you know, so these shows are starting to become, you know, it's very hard to do secret identity stuff these days at all because it is just so, so unbelievable and we've had so much comic book content. So thankfully, these shows are sort of recognizing that. So I just hope that they keep doing that. Obviously, I hope that maybe some of the cast sort of tone it down a bit and maybe they sort of lighten up on the the celebrity cameos if we want to call it that and uh jason manzukis sort of changes things up a bit <laughs> but uh 
yeah, I, I think for me, even if it carries on much the same way, I'll still watch it, still enjoy it for what it is. Um, and I'm not expecting this to change. It's just, you know, I can't expect the show to sort of tailor exactly to me because I can still see that it's giving people all these elements that Jake uh, is really into and the comic book fans really like. So it's obviously doing its job, doing its purpose. It's really well reviewed. It's just the some stuff to me doesn't quite gel. So I think mainly I just want to see them sort of move away from the kind of like self-parody kind of stuff and the kind of like sort of the world building as much in terms of like here's all these characters and like also i i'm not a big fan of like when they keep having like episodes being like cliffhanger cliffhanger oh whoa whoa look at this guy who is this guy oh he's now the head of this i was like i'm not interested in this i don't care i was like i just want to know about the nolan stuff i think so again i hope they they stick to one storyline and sort of like really nail that rather than just having like random escapade with you know the robot people as we got in that university episode i i i just want them to sort of stick to the main storyline i want to see more from eve i think that her storyline is really interesting um and i think again a character like atom eve who i think her power set's really interesting and that's why i didn't like when they just crap on her by being like oh yeah you duplicate and i was like this girl can change like the fabric of reality can we not like use her a bit more in the field because she can literally like create things at will so i'd like to see more from uh, atom eve <laughs> that's fair enough I have very little criticisms about this uh, show, so all I will say is a lot of it is just keep doing what you're doing because you're pleasing me. I feel as if this show was made for me. Uh, The only thing I will say that I want improvement on is while I enjoy all the little subplots between the supporting characters, I do enjoy them. I just wish they were a bit more elevated on par with the the Mark and Nolan stuff. Unlike you, Dave, I don't want to get want them to get rid of that i want them to dive a bit more into that but just elevate it a bit more so it's as interesting as the mark nolan uh, and debbie stuff but when i look back at this season i feel as if it's incredible uh, how many life-changing experiences like mark went through over only eight episodes and i feel it's they've done an incredible job of fleshing this world out with so many amazing characters the, the plot and story is always moving forward to forward the characters are always evolving in interesting ways i think the pacing flows unbelievably well the characters are engaging interesting layered from the very beginning it has humor dramatic weights i love the action it's just gory bloody fun and a cast that just absolutely kills it every single line i know you might have some uh <laughs> um disagreements with jason manzukits but hey like i said i wouldn't have a much of an issue with him and i just think it, it perfectly captures like this exhilarating highs of being a superhero but also perfectly demonstrating the horror of people of people seeing people you love and care about die in front of you and i just think it's this is a perfect medium to express that this sort of form of animation so yeah top marks for me i absolutely love this show i can't wait for future seasons uh, but Steph, what are your sort of closing thoughts on this show? I can say that both of you, in some cases, are correct, and some where you you were very wrong. I'm not gonna say which is which. Um, but he here's what I'm gonna say because I know what's gonna come, and it's so fucking crazy. Like, like you thought that this season would had some life changing moments. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and there's a reason why they renewed it for season two and three, because those two seasons have huge shit that's going to happen. And based on how they did the first season, or how contents they became, that it basically took two years and made it into eight months, I can see where they're going with this. So based on what I know, and basing this, what I would like to maybe change a bit, but it's not, but far more because of what I see what they, what they are capable of is do more human stuff. Do, do more uh, depth and, and gravity into the human elements. Uh, like I said, make Am uh, a lover within with Amber, make her more important, especially now that she knows who Mark is, make her part of the overall story. Eve the same way, or I, th I hope there are going to be some changes on her too, that she becomes more of an official protector of Earth. Uh, I would like to see that from her. Also, more William. Uh, we didn't mention William a, a, a lot, but I think he's a great part of Mark's family. And I think we need that, especially, especially now with Nolan being gone, Mark needs to have a a more important connection with the remaining family members he has left with. Um, same, and also, I want to say that Debbie does, at this point, she kind of becomes a bit of a lesser character in the comics. So please keep her in, make her vital. And, and I'm not only talking because I have a Korean mother, and yes, I have a huge emotional connection with her. So, but but I do truly believe that she gives more to Mark, and and even when Mark was saying to to Nolan about, you know, talking about his mother, that they, that he, of course he would die for for the humanity, based on his relationship with his mother, I believe it, and I think we need to put more of that in there. And like you both said, yes, make all the subplots more vital to the overall story. Because, because I did feel midway through I, a bit of a stale reaction for me, especially for the Martians, which, but to be honest, it was never one of my favorite parts in uh, the comics. Uh, but I do hope we're going to see more of the world. And now we're going to have the coalition of planets, which I'm really excited because this is, this is one of the craziest shit we're going to see. Uh, but overall, keep it grounded. Even when you go out to other space, make it relatable. And yeah, and so um, give Bezos, give more money, please. <laughs> yeah, he's got plenty to spare. I'm sure. I'm sure he can. Uh... Yeah, if you, it's just you shouldn't get married uh, and point soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep saying he's Lex Luthor. People have pointed out online. You know, he's got plenty of money. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Steph, for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to you about Cape Shit. And thank everyone for listening to this episode. Again, we always appreciate people coming on board every week, listening to us geek out about all this wonderful content that we're getting. So, uh, Steph, where can the people find you on the socials and what you're getting up to? Uh, you can find me the same place you can find Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos on Twitter <laughs> at mm -hmm. SYFlorakis. And... 
which you could also find a link on my letterbox, which I review or I'll make small comments on each film I watch in the year. Um, actually, quite really, I watched yesterday the uh, Mitchell's Best of the Machine, which I already talked to the guys about it. So I absolutely love it. And talking about good animation content, I think that is a great example by, by in the film medium. Although it is family friendly, and as we all said, we kind of prefer the more adult stuff. I do think it's probably one of the best anim anime, uh, family animated content out there. And also, you can find me on Fresh Tech Hub, where I last week I did an article for my prediction for the Oscars. I was right some, I was wrong in others, and I really hate me for it. But it's a fun, it's a laugh. Uh, just read about it and just make fun of me on Twitter. It, mm -hmm. It's absolutely fine. And also I was part of as a guest on Well Well Good Movies, where we talked more about the Oscars and as some of our favorite moments in the ceremony in the last ten years. Yeah, check all that out, guys. Uh Dave, how about yourself? Uh yeah, similar with me. You can catch me on Well Good Movies with Steph when we were talking about um, our favorite Oscar highlights from the past ten years and some of our standout Oscar snubs. Uh, reviewing the ceremony that happened uh, this year as well. So that uh, is a really fun episode. Go check that out. Um, you can just listen to you know us talk about sort of celebratory moments and me sort of just laughing at Adele Dzeem, like loving that, <laughs> that moment in history. Um, you can catch me also on Twitter at David Oscar, so you can keep up with all the stuff that I'm doing in regards to writing and video making over there and my letterbox where you can catch uh i do like you know try to keep it as my log of films so if i ever want to go back to stuff and sort of like remember what i thought of it i usually write up like a small review on there unless i'm reviewing something like the 50 shades films in which i just take the piss uh but usually i keep it serious uh so if i'm not reviewing films on there i'm usually watching some sort of television or something as well uh so at the moment going through quite a few uh series especially now invincible and uh, falcon and winter soldier have ended there'll be a lot more uh time to start some new stuff yeah well we got the bad batch around the corner so mm. keep an eye out for mine and dave's other podcast the monday lorians as yes we will be taking a break from marvel uh but it won't be a break for us as we'll be over there talking about the bad batch and as for myself yet yeah, you can also catch me on twitter at sweaty jake and you also can catch me on letterbox as well at jake hart that's jake that's h-a-r-t uh, and as for the show, we'll be continuing doing our weekly shows of discussions and new shows. And we've also got a couple of reviews coming up of some Jupiter's Legacy. And in the summer, we'll be getting Loki and Black Widow. So plenty of exciting stuff to keep tuned into Capes, Cows and Masks. And you can also find us on Twitter at Capes, Cows and Masks. And we're also on Facebook at Capes, Cows and Masks. And whether you're using Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever, subscribe, follow us, like us, share us, rate us, leave a review. It all helps us go up in the rankings. And the best thing you can do is recommend us to all your geeky and nerdy friends to be listening to this show. So thank you for listening. We'll see you all very soon. Stay safe, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, shit. <laughs>